This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Daly. Our guest this week is U.S. Senate Agriculture Chairman Pat Roberts. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by the National Council of Farmer Cooperatives. Farmer-owned co-ops include millions of successful businessmen and women, today's farmers, who own and run co-ops. They're responsible for companies that feed the world and create jobs both on and off the farm. Learn more at ncfc.org. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with Kansas Republican Senator Pat Roberts next. The National Council of Farmer Cooperatives is the voice of America's farmer cooperatives. These farmer-owned co-ops are comprised of millions of successful businessmen and women, today's farmers. They own and run co-ops and are responsible for companies that feed the world and create hundreds of thousands of jobs, both on and off the farm. To learn more about how farmer-run co-ops keep the future bright for America and agriculture, visit ncfc.org. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. Looking back on 2016, Senate Agriculture Chairman Pat Roberts says he's heartened by the bipartisan effort that brought the Agriculture Biotech Disclosure Labeling Law for the country, but disappointed the upper chamber couldn't complete the child nutrition reauthorization language. Overall, the Kansas Republican is complimentary of Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack's leadership at USDA, but strongly opposes the recently announced GIPSA rules for poultry and livestock. The department is really demonstrating a disregard, I think, for America's livestock and poultry producers by uh, pushing these rules out the door in the final days of the administration. I get along with Tom Vilsack. He's been a good secretary. He's been a good friend. But I think he's wrong on this one. They resurrected this rule. I sent him a letter urging him to abandon this effort ever since the 2010 proposal it was so controversial uh, remember that for this rule uh, our industry groups have determined the impact to be greater than a billion dollars and that our stakeholders deserve the right to provide comments on how rules will impact their business uh, the department ignored our concerns and proceeded with the rules the interim final rule that's no different than the final rule because the department doesn't have to make changes based on any comments that are submitted. Uh, the department last solicited uh, stakeholder comments on these rules over six years ago. That needs to be updated. Uh, since that time, the livestock and poultry industries have experienced uh, substantial change. We've had disease, we've had drought, we've had recent market downturns, and for the department to be um, unconcerned with these events and unwilling to listen to our constituency, their constituency, uh, I'm not happy with that. Um, if there was any takeaway from the most recent election, it's that rural voters are tired of having their future dictated to them and being told that um, uh, government regulations or folks back here know better than what they do. Uh, I, I started to hear this frustration expressed uh, several years ago uh, before I became chairman. I've begun most of the hearings over the last two years uh, with the statement that uh, was a resounding theme from Kansans that they're tired of being ruled uh, by their government, and the gypsum rule is the embodiment of that sentiment. Here's the deal. If the gypsum rules are to be implemented, our packers will be gun-shy to offer a higher price to any producer who wants to invest in value-added production, uh, superior uh, genetics, uh, say they're grass-fed, uh, whatever. Then you're exposed to uh, litigation. 
this is because any so-called harm uh, experienced by an individual, such as receiving a lower price for their product than their neighbor, who has worked worked real hard to, uh, you know, come up with something uh, that everybody would uh, would like to have, uh, it could be a violation of the Packer and Stockyards Act. So you got a farmer out there or a producer uh, would have a standing now to bring a court case against a Packer or some kind of an integrator who offered a different pricing. So I, if this goes through, Jeff, it's going to leave Packers all tied up in litigation and defending their agreements with other producers rather than swallow the, the costly legal fees why Packers will decide to take the less risky route and purchase uh, commodity animals and offer the same price to all producers. I just don't think that's in the best interest of our producers and agriculture. Do you think that new rules are necessary? And if there are, then then what should be the spirit of those rules, given, again, that not all animals are blue-ribbon grand champions? Well, I think we have the existing rules and the authority within the department, if you have unfair practices by anybody, that there's certainly enough um, what certainly enough options yeah you got it when we think about 2017 obviously confirmation hearings will be high on the list can you anticipate the timetable well just as soon as we come back in i look forward to working with the administration to hopefully ensure the days of our government forcing a partisan agenda on our daily lives by executive order and regulation are finally over and I look forward to an administration that will govern by being a partner in our efforts, not an adversary. Our committee has a lot of work to do to approve the president's uh, nominations, and uh, we need to ensure the administration can hit the ground running uh, to understand the concerns of all of our uh, rural Americans who have trusted them with their vote. I might point out, Jeff, that the people who elected Trump uh, were farmers and ranchers and everybody up and down uh, rural and small town America, they really came out in very strong support. I'm not saying he owes us. I'm just saying that uh, they voted for him despite some of their concerns with his trade policy because they wanted change and they were plumb fed up with all the regulations that affected their daily lives and pocketbooks. Let's take a step in, in this direction then. Neither you nor I know who this secretary is going to be and it may come during the time that this uh, interview is, is being played. So let me protect us both with that. What challenges will the next Secretary of Agriculture face, and how do you see the Department of Agriculture, what role do they maintain or do they need to to adapt to for this day of agriculture? Well, I hope that the Secretary of Agriculture will come right out of the chute saying, look, I'm going to be a champion for rural and small-town America. And in the saying of that, Uh, You might want to point out very strongly that farm income uh, is the best federal program that we know. Uh, If farm income is at a desired rate where our income is over our costs, and by the way, we're at 16-year lows right now, we're entering a period in considering the farm bill, and for that matter, everything that the department does, uh, far different from the one that we did when we passed this last bill, finally, we passed the bill. Uh, those were uh, just a couple of years ago. Farm prices were at uh, record highs. Farm credit was easy to get. Uh, the predicate for that has changed dramatically. Uh, we are at 16-year lows. 
Um, a lot of wheat on the ground, a lot of corn on the ground out in Kansas. Uh, the supply-demand situation worldwide uh, has changed dramatically. Uh, we have the regulators getting a little more aggressive with uh, our country banks and any other farm lender. Uh, one of my biggest uh, concerns is that they will practice forbearance until we can, uh, you know, get past this cycle. Farmers know that you know farming is uh, cyclical, but the new farm bill and, for that matter, the administration uh, taking over has to understand uh, that we're going through a pretty rough patch. Now, whether we dial up or dial back on the farm bill and make some changes, uh, maybe they can make some changes on some of the things that we're hearing about right now by an administrative action. Note I didn't say an executive order. So I think they have to understand that. Second, the new secretary has to understand just how big the Department of Agriculture is. I'm talking about nutrition. I'm talking about uh, conservation. I'm talking about the Forest Service. I'm talking about the fact that the USDA is the paymaster for the whole government. Not many people know that. So it is a big place, and it has a lot of jurisdiction and a lot of responsibilities. But right now, we're having a tough time with the people who really count, that's our farmers and ranchers, and it's pretty well all over the United States. Uh, the mass media or the national media hasn't really tuned into this yet. They're still worrying about why Trump was elected and all of that. But uh, there is a story to be told right now that we're going through a rough time, and that affects every consumer. Uh, we're going to be all right. We're a bootstrap outfit, and we got some things we can do to dial up or dial back on the farm bill or to change it a little bit. I don't want to open it up if, I, if, if that's at all possible. Some analysts have suggested that there are decisions that this government could make that would allow agriculture to be in the last stages of this cyclical downturn. But then there are also some decisions that the new administration and Congress could make that could prolong this negative area that we are in. Are we at a critical juncture now, and what do you see of the responsibility and the decision-making? Well, I think Mike Conaway and I, he understands this. Obviously, we visit a lot. We've been visiting with a lot of our Aggies here, and it's pretty representative of the whole country. We want to know what the Trump trade position is. Uh, what What is going to be our trade policy? Uh, you see the value of the dollar jump a bunch, and the global impact that that has had on our trading partners, but... If, in fact, TPP was a bad idea, and I do not think it was for agriculture, I'm not talking about intellectual property or environmental concerns or labor concerns or whatever, but for ag, this was a pretty good deal because on the Pacific Rim countries, you establish a relationship uh, with our trading partners to be. That sends a strong signal to China. Uh, we're here. We have planted the flag again from an economic standpoint. They've been very belligerent on the military side. And it just sends them a very strong message. And it also sends a message, I think, uh, to all those countries involved that we have their back. And that's very, very important. I've, I've been over to Singapore, Indonesia, Australia, South Korea, Japan. There are many others. But uh, I'm sorry that TPP has you know, fallen into um, a description of a bad trade bill. For agriculture, that was not the case. Now, what do we do? Do we do 15 bilateral agreements? Uh, that's going to be a very busy trade rep if that's the case. But we have to uh, figure out our trade policy. In Kansas, it's one out of every five acres, probably more today. 
maybe 20% of all of agriculture ends up in the export business and a lot of other jobs that are connected to that. I do not know what the administration's trade policy is, and I would like to find out just as soon as possible. This administration offered a WTO challenge to China's production subsidies for crops back in September, and now a new challenge with regard to their tariff rate quota agreements as they join the WTO. Senator, is this the right time to pick a fight with China? Well, <laughs> I think in this campaign there was one candidate that picked a fight with him about every day. Um, we have launched our second action against China on their administration of, of tariff rate quotas, also on wheat, rice, and corn. We believe, and I agree, that China needs to be overwhelmingly outside of its uh, commitments to the WTO. So we got to work with the USTR. I think Mike Froman has done a, a pretty darn good job. And so whoever that new person is, boy, they have to hit the ground running. So... I'm right with the USTR and the USDA to make sure that our farmers and ranchers can compete in the global marketplace on the same footing all around the globe. There are some in the renewable fuels industry encouraged by the president-elect's campaign promises to support renewable fuel. But at the same time, then, some of the appointments to his administration not necessarily favorable to renewable fuel, namely corn-based ethanol. How do you see the plight ahead with regard to this administration and their plans for renewable fuel for the country? Well, I think they're going to continue the RFS. Uh, at what rate, I can't tell you. Uh, it increased a little bit here under the Obama administration here just a couple of months ago, but I think it will be uh, continued, I think, uh, on the ground in Iowa, I think the president saw full hand uh, what a burgeoning industry that is. Now, there are people that think that that is an unnecessary subsidy, and there are folks on the livestock side that are not very happy about it because it raises the prices of their feed. So you get into a sort of a sheep and cattle war here like you used to have back in the day. But I think the RFS will stand, and I think the president will support it. But that's the kind of thing that we just have to go through and learn just where this administration is. Uh, you can make a lot of campaign speeches, and you can get a little specific, but basically um, we need to know exactly where the president stands on this. But I'm I'm for the RFS. I, I have a glass of ethanol every morning with Senator Grassley. <laughs> Warm you right up. Uh, yeah, I, I can well, tell you that. In Kentucky, we've been making alcohol from corn for a long time. We just <laughs> never, ever... Put it in the tank. We never thought of that. So, yeah. <laughs> Senator, well, there you go. Senator, you mentioned 2017 to be a busy year, and your leadership at the helm of the Agriculture Committee. What hope do you have for discussion toward new farm policy? Well, I think that discussion has already started. We see several commodity organizations who have pointed out some of the things that they think are right with this current bill, and some things that are wrong, and some things they'd like to get fixed. Uh, I would hope that uh, we could have a full discussion about that. You don't want to be opening up the farm bill right away. Uh, that's a pretty dangerous thing to do. Uh, we have a lot of self-declared secretaries of agriculture in the Senate who are on a jihad on either one farm program or another. You know, we really have to come in with a lot of strong backing with everybody on the same team, much in the same fashion as we did on biotech. I'm not expecting 1,200 organizations but they are involved, and they're going to get a lot of calls from me to get behind uh, whatever we come up with. Uh, 
that discussion has already started, as I say, with um, what farmers like about the bill and then what farmers don't like about it. And so Senator Stabenow and I will be sitting on the wagon tongue in Michigan, Kansas, down south, and other points. Uh, that's the first thing you do with the farm bill. You sit down and you listen to our producers from all sections of the country, and uh, I think you're going to get a lot of good advice, and then we proceed from that point. I sure would like to do what we did a couple of years ago. We got the Farm Bill reported out of committee one morning. That's historic. And then we even convinced Harry Reid to move something on the floor. I think that was the only time when we had 12 votes in two years. I mean, it was incredible. So I told Harry that we could do the Farm Bill quickly. He said, you can't do it in less than two weeks. That's the average. I said, well, you can kick the average out because... Senator Stab and I, we can do this in two and a half days. Well, we did it in two. And that bill was a pretty good bill, but it hit a brick wall over in the House with regards to concerns about the SNAP program, the food stamp program. I understand that. We'll probably have that debate again. It, it's not an easy task to pull together all the commodity groups, farm organizations, and then a lot of people sitting on the sidelines, you know, making trouble for us. But um, it can be done. This is, what, my sixth farm bill? My gosh. They're always over-criticized and they're always oversold, but we got to get them done. Do nutrition programs and farm programs need to stay together in the same policy? Yes, I think so. It's part of what we do. You talk about food banks. You talk about early childhood hunger uh, programs. You talk about the child nutrition uh, part of the farm bill. Farmers, uh, well, let me turn it around. Everybody that takes farmers for granted and agriculture for granted, and that's a whole bunch. Uh, every generation we have is farther removed from the farm. We have to tell them all the time or remind them that they're getting the best quality food at the lowest price in the history of the world and that we are able to then provide many things that they now take for granted and expect us to do with regards to school lunches and regards to food stamps and regards to a lot of other things. The key is to target that assistance to people who really need it and really watch out for fraud and abuse, and that's going to be the challenge. If you separate the two, I do not want those programs going to another agency, another committee. We will save more money and do more reform under the Agriculture Committee than we would any other committee. So we'll, we will run those programs better. And then on the other side of the fence, the bill that involves our commodity programs certainly goes along with that in a good partnership. won't be easy. There's a lot of people that uh, want to, you know, block grant all that to the states. Uh, I think that would be uh, very counterproductive. Is there an urgency or an advantage from the budget baseline to be sure this bill is written on time or early? That's pretty urgent. We are very hopeful for the first time in years that we will have a budget to adhere to and that the appropriators can live under that budget. Uh, we did it this year, but we have a 60-vote rule over here, and Harry and uh, Chuck, uh, Chuck Schumer, I'm talking about the new leader on the Democrat side coming from New York, uh, he's a friend of mine, you know, they're going to, um, they held up any vote on the appropriation bills altogether. That's where you end up with a continuing resolution. That's not the way to do it. And we need these appropriation bills also to take away money from any agency that's not behaving. 
and that's uh, full of regulations that are terribly counterproductive. So, yeah, it's pretty urgent. Net farm incomes down, non-performing farm loans said to be increasing. Is it possible to see enough of a financial crisis that could force the congressional hand to step in and help out? Well, we're going to help out. I mean, we're going to take a hard look at that farm bill as soon as we come back in and, again, say what dials can we move to be of assistance. Maybe that won't be enough with regards to the kind of cyclical situation we find ourselves in. Uh, and sooner or later, if it, if it keeps going downhill, obviously the uh, national media will finally pick it up and uh, maybe we can get enough support. I don't want to get into a disaster bill. They're uh, terribly difficult to pass, and then when they do pass, it, usually there are a lot more problems than answers. That's why we have to have a strong crop insurance program which is, by the way, the number one issue in the Farm Bill, as far as I'm concerned. Senator Roberts, we want to thank you very much for being with us on this edition of Open Mic. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And, sir, it is Open Mic, so that gives the Kansas Senator an open forum. Well, Jeff, thank you. Uh, One thing, Merry Christmas to everybody out there, more especially those in farm country listening to this program. Just remember the farmer never put the seed in the ground if he didn't think he'd have a good crop. If you keep that thought in mind, we're gonna we're gonna make it through this uh, uh, this rough patch, and uh, that's what we do on the ag committee. That's what everybody does, and on both sides of the aisle, we're probably the least partisan committee uh, in the Congress. So we'll uh, we'll be keeping everybody in mind, and God bless. Our thanks to Kansas U.S. Senator Pat Roberts, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by the National Council of Farmer Cooperatives. Farmer-owned co-ops include millions of successful businessmen and women, today's farmers, who own and run co-ops. They're responsible for companies that feed the world and create jobs both on and off the farm. Learn more at ncfc.org. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Dowling.